0: When I woke up, God started speaking to me right away. And I said, God, I'm not preaching today. I said, I'm not preaching today. And I was dead set on not preaching today until Pastor Gail called me. And I said, God, like you knew I was preaching today. And so you started talking to me right away. And so, um, thank you, musicians. Um, This is what's funny about god and like about his goodness now we all know how long has it been for like the last what has it been last month the last six weeks god has been very purposeful in building our belief building our faith and bringing all of us to this sense of what it is he's getting ready to do It's been a while now that he's been tearing down thoughts and building up the right ones and trying to put us into a place where we are ready for harvest. And so a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if um, you all remember, maybe about two weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me, or maybe it was right before we went to Florida, the Lord spoke to me and he said, we're getting ready to harvest. How many people remember that? Like to really get your belief in place and so um, this morning I started thinking about the process of a harvest, and if you can get that on screen, just um, the process of producing a harvest, what it means to get ready for harvest, all of the steps that it takes. So we know that the first thing that God began to do was to prepare our soil and to prepare our ground. He spent a lot of time getting our soil ready because how many know that it's not about always the quality of the seed and it's not about how you tend to it and all of those things. But if you put good seed in bad ground, that's the end of the thing. And so God spent a lot of time getting our soil ready. He was tilling it and um, just breaking it up and making sure it was moist and that it was able to handle seed. And then the next thing that he did was we were able to acquire and sow. We were able to plant seed he was able to put seed in the good ground and get us into place and many of us he prompted us to begin to sow and to plant seed and to begin to get behind the word that he had placed in our lives and then the next thing that we began to do was tend to the crop and growth um, water sunlight eradicate all of the rodents and the pests that were coming in to take away from our hard work and so then as we get ready to harvest step four is what I'm gonna be talking about tonight because let me tell y'all something I'm not a farmer I don't own one plant that is alive like all of the plants in my house are dead and gorgeous because I don't like bugs and I don't like any of the things that go into tilling um uh to planning, and to taking care of things that are alive. I have two children that are alive, and that's the end of it at this point. I don't have anything else, and so I even had to begin to study what it really takes to um, bring about a harvest, and so as God, you know, I, I thought steps one through three is all that it was. That's why I got excited with the rest of y'all when I came in here talking about it's harvest time y'all. We was in here marching in our hearts like woo yes let's go get our stuff and I was so excited because I felt like we finally at the end of this thing but then this morning when I woke up the Lord began to talk to me about step four. Are there any people in here that can just begin to wrap your mind around what step four Is any of the farmers and any of the people that take care of things that are alive? How many people can tell me what you think step four is? Oh, y'all, somebody turn to Isaiah 18 and 5 because listen, I'm telling y'all, I'm still excited, but I missed a step because he said, Harvest. It's harvest time and I got, I got excited because that's just like God to keep you in a place of belief and keep your hopes up and keep you ready because he knows. And so in Isaiah 18 and and five, it says for before the harvest, somebody say before the harvest, when the blossom is gone and the flower becomes a ripening grape, he will cut off the shoots with pruning knives, and cut down and take away the spreading branches. How many know that step four is pruning? Somebody look at your neighbor and say prune. I'm not talking about the prunes that you eat, even though if you eat enough of them, it does enough pruning on your insides. But we're not talking about those prunes tonight. We're talking about the act of pruning and what pruning mean. And pruning means to trim a tree, a shrub, a bush by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. It's something about hearing the word pruning because if you're a real believer and if you've embraced process and if you've embraced a journey with God you will hear this word multiple times and multiple seasons. Every time God has you in a place where you're preparing yourself soil and you are acquiring and sowing and planting seed and tending to your crop and you're ready for the harvest God is always going to take you through seasons of pruning it's not just a one-time thing but it is always something that happens right before you get ready for the harvest and so here it is yeah we're all excited about what's to come we're excited about what is now but the Lord is saying Listen, there's one last step, because if you harvest before I prune, what you bring in will not be what I intended. What you harvest right now will um, not be fully developed. It will not be to the fullness of what has been ripened, but not just that. The abundance of it is cut down when it is not pruned. And so as the Lord began to talk to me this morning about pruning, the first thing that that, that I begin to think about is in seasons gone by when the Lord would speak to me about pruning, I always had a negative reaction. I kind of had the same reaction that some of us may have had internally or some of us may have voiced vocally where you begin to think about all of the things that are going to be lost. But the Bible does not describe pruning pruning as things that are lost it says the branches that don't bear fruit are the ones he takes away but the ones that have fruit are the ones that he actually prunes he allows you to keep them but he cuts them back so they they can produce more fruit than what's already on there see we've gotten pruning confused with things that are lost or things that are just taken away but God is saying no I clip off the things that hinders it from becoming every that I intended pruning is actually a favorable thing. It's something that we should be rejoicing about when God begins to speak because he declares that what I cut off is keeping it from being more and so it is not something that is lost. We begin to think about all of the things that are lost and all of the things that are taken away and if you've ever been somebody that has gone through something and if you've ever been somebody that has suffered loss or trauma, we're the worst ones. We'll hold on a Just because trash is ours. We'll hold on to things that are hurting us just because it's ours. It's something about the most selfish people I know are the most hurt people that I know. Because when you get hurt and when you get wounded, and when you've had things taken from you and you've had to fight for everything that you have, you hold on to whatever you get without examining its true worth and its true value. Some of us are holding on to things that have been dead for a very long time. Some of us are holding on to things that have zero value, but it's ours because your trauma will always tell you to hold on to what's yours and don't let nobody take it. Even if it's something that's hurting you and dragging you down, trauma will always tell you don't let nobody take it away. But let me tell you something on this side of the kingdom and this side of salvation and this side of process and this side of harvest, God is saying I'm taking away the things that are dead and that don't bear fruit and the areas that do have fruit I'm going to cut them back so that they can produce more fruit and your job is not to let your trauma or your pain talk you out of step four how many people are excited about pruning listen if you ain't there yet you're going to be there by the end of this service because what we think is valuable God sees it differently. He sees it differently. And so in John chapter 15, I want you to turn there. John chapter 15. It's a popular passage. How many people have been staring at your harvest? How many people know that is there? How many people have words that God has spoken? And some of us don't even know everything that we're waiting on. We just know that God has us positioned. And we know that God has spoken promises and things that he's going to fulfill and things that he's going to do. But now is the time for him to begin to prune so that what you thought won't be what it is, but above and beyond all that you can ask or think. And so in John chapter 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's talking to his disciples. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. The vine is where the nutrients are, y'all. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Again, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so I want to go to verse 2, where he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. I need to bring to your attention that this is Jesus talking. Jesus is actually talking about being pruned. He's actually talking about being pruned by the father. Here he was without sin, just one that was able to overcome all forms of temptation. But if Jesus had to go through pruning, why do we think that we're going to be the ones to escape it? If the father and the savior of the world had to go through pruning and had to submit himself under the hand of of the father who is the one that does the pruning that ought to show you how important it is and how critical it is and how it is essential to you producing the purpose and the promise that God has on your life if Jesus is saying my father is the one that looks at the fruit that I have and say this is an area where more fruit can be let me cut back let me remove anything that will hinder it from coming in abundance. You see, when we begin to talk about pruning, for some reason, some of us think that we get to prune ourselves. Like we're good for trying to prune ourselves. We pick and choose what we want to go away and who we want to go away. Listen, some of us be kicking people out of our lives every two weeks, every three months. Listen, we, we tend to think that we can prune ourselves, But Jesus didn't say, I cut away at myself. He said that the Father does. There are just some things that you need a professional for. There are some things that you can't do yourself. Listen, I, let me tell you something. When I began to talk about this and really think about it, there are reasons why you need a professional when it comes to pruning. Pruning is not just something where you go in and start clipping stuff off, where you look at something and say it's dead and clip it away. There is actually an art, a skill, and a technique to it. And the first thing that someone who is skilled in pruning does is they've studied the plant or the tree or the fruit itself. They know what it needs according to its characteristics. Listen, we are not all the same. It is a reason that God is the professional at pruning because your purpose requires a different type of pruning than mine. Your purpose and your passions require a different type of pruning than mine. What God may cut away on me in one area, if he did it for you, it would do absolutely nothing. But because he studied your life, because he studied all the ingredients of it, the past, the present and the future, the relationships Relationships and all of the things that come into it. He is the one that knows, no, let me clip away at this pride. Let me clip away at this greed. Let me clip away at this arrogance, because in this year and this time, this is going to be a problem. It's going to hinder more fruit from coming. God has sat and studied you, and he knows exactly not just what needs to be clipped away, but what type of fruit you're supposed to be producing and in what season. A second reason why a professional is needed is the tools are important. Keeping the tools in shape, keeping them the right way. Listen, only a professional knows exactly the type of tool to use to um, produce the fruit on certain plants. It's not just one pair of scissors. Some of us, if we were clipping away at ourselves, we'd have some preschool scissors in there gnawing at branches, tearing stuff up. Listen, this is one why this is a job for God, who is the ultimate professional. Also, a professional understands the seasons. He understands that you don't just come cutting away at any time, but there is a certain season that it should be pruned in. If you um, prune a fruit tree in the wrong season, when the season comes, it literally will not bear fruit. And so listen, the ultimate professional knows, listen, he or she can't handle me clipping away at this right now. I got to let them get to this point where they're ready for me to begin to clip away and to cut back. Another reason that you need a professional is the professional knows where to cut back sometimes if you don't cut back far enough you don't get to the point in the plant that holds the nutrients that spread to all of the areas of the tree to begin to produce the fruit or if you cut too much you cut away the nutrients that are needed to produce a fruit and that is why God is saying listen just abide in me just roll with me just stay with me my job is to be the one to to cut away there is only one vine dresser there is only one person that has sat and studied you and watched your life and he is the ultimate professional so where you may be sitting and thinking no I can handle this I can cut away let me tell you something there have been times in my life that I went to the hairdresser and Chantel can attest where you feel like your hair has grown so long you like this is so luxurious And listen, you sit in that chair and the hairdresser say, you know, I gotta cut off your, your dead ends. And you're like, oh, okay. And they spin you around because they really don't let you look in the mirror while they doing it. And then when they spin you back around, you look like a little bald-headed <laughs> baby. Because what you thought was this luxurious growth On the end, it's actually dead ends. And I really couldn't understand what the problem was with split ends and what the problem was with dead ends. The reality is if you let them stay there long enough, they start to split up to the healthy hair. They start to split up all the way to the root. So every time your hair grows, it begins to fall out because it is no longer healthy. It is no longer producing growth. And so there have been times... I'm pretty sure. When we try to do this ourselves, I'll never forget. When I was in eighth grade, I told my mother, "I said, Ma, I want some bangs." How many girls got the bang story? Where you try to cut your own bangs? It's different if you cutting a little slant bang, you know, a little something that you can kind of. But when you trying to cut these bad boys that go straight across. Listen, it's not as simple as just going straight across, but some of us have to find out the hard way. And so what ends up happening is we kind of start a little bit like this. We start off where we're so excited and we're like, it's not that hard. I'm going to just do this myself, you know, so we in the mirror and we go get our scissors and we take that first snip and then that's how it is. And then the end result is a little something like this because you've been trying to fix it. And then finally, there you go. That was me, age 13, because I kept saying, well, if I just cut a little more. And then finally, you don't have nothing left. This this is us when we're trying to be our own vine dresser. When you're trying to be the professional and you're not the professional, and I know men are saying, well, we don't have that problem. I got something for y'all too. There you go. <laughs> when you're to do the job that only God can do, where ultimately he is the one who has said, it is my job to prune you. And so... I want to go over why pruning is important, because I've mentioned some things, but if you're taking notes, I really want you to lock in on these seven reasons why pruning is important. Number one, it removes anything dead, diseased, broken, or unwanted plant growth. It controls the spread of disease or pests. And so when you begin to cut off diseased areas or broken areas, it's removing literally disease or dead things from your body. Number two, it removes what are called suckers or water sprouts considered unwanted growth, which robs nutrients and water from the main body of the plant. It's, they're, they're literally called suckers and water spouts because what they are are areas on the plant that spring up and they're actually... They actually have life in them, but what's happening, they're sucking all of the nutrients and all of the water from the plant, and so only small portions of it is getting to the areas that actually produce the fruit. Some of us have some suckers in our life, and if if you don't like it that proper, we're gonna call them suckers that God is literally trying to cut off because they're there and they hold life, but they're robbing the rest of the plant, the actual fruitful areas from getting all of the nutrients. And so the thing about these things is they don't look dead and they don't look like they're lifeless. They're actually full of life and they're actually taking away nutrients that are meant to go to areas of the plant that produce fruit. Suckers and water sprouts don't produce any fruit. They're just there to get nutrient. They just, there hanging around with the other fruitful areas. They just blend in looking green just like everything else but they will never give anything back they're only takers and as a matter of fact they take so much that there's only a little bit left for the other places that are actually meant to be a thriving thing and so when god comes in he begins to skillfully cut away all of the suckers and all of the water sprouts number three it allows light and oxygen to get to key areas of the tree Number four, which is tied into number three, it controls growth of the plants, even directionally. See, I didn't even realize this, that not all growth is good when you're dealing with pruning and when you're dealing with plants and when you're dealing with trees. When God begins to prune and cut away, he is literally teaching this tree where to grow, where it's not just growing wild in any old place, but the pruning allows directional growth. Where it is focused growth, where it is growing in a specific area or a specific direction, not all growth is good growth. Some growth doesn't quite go with the plane and the general appearance of the tree or the way that God designed for it to be. And so when he comes in and begins to prune, he is teaching this tree the direction that he wants it to grow. And as a result, number five, it improves the appearance of the tree. If you've ever gone to someone's house or driven by a home where the person is a home and gardens type of person and their landscaping is beautiful, you can look at their trees and tell that they've been tended to. You may not know everything that they cut away and you may not know everything that they did for the tree, but overall it just looks beautiful. It looks perfect and when God is pruning away at our life, it is because he's presenting Presenting us in a way that reflects his glory and his nature, but also the thing about a vine dresser is that they are putting this tree in a light that reflects their ability. They are literally crafting and shaping this thing as a reflection of them so they can stand up and be proud and say, look at my handiwork. Look at the professional at work. Look at the person that knows what they're doing at work. And so when he's pruning away at your life, he's improving your appearance. Some of us can use a good trim. Look at somebody and say, it's time for a trim. Number six, pruning is used to train young plants immature plants into maturity when you have a young plant and you have a young vine they are so full of life and they're so aggressive that they grow so fast and they grow so wild because they've never been trained but a good vine dresser comes in and he begins to cut the plant and the thing about a plant is that it has growth memory Uh, a lot of people speak of plants, I have a co-worker who's somewhat of a, a connoisseur or a botanist and she begins to talk about her plants, about how they have personality. Now at first I got a little weirded out and I said now you go back over there talking about the plants have personality. But she said no you don't understand. Each one calls for something different and some of them if they've gone through trauma that I have to treat them a certain way and that even um, people who really are into plants they play music in their greenhouse. It's like God has wrapped aside of his personality in himself in all of creation it's why the rocks cry out when we don't it's why creation responds when we don't because they're responding to the ultimate creator and the way that he's made them and so when it is a young plant or a a plant that is immature God is literally training this plant in the way that it should be he's cutting back to say this is how I've created you this is the way that i want you to grow and ultimately when you do it this way you'll reflect the nature by which i created you in verse seven i'm sorry in number seven the last reason why pruning is important is it influences the leaf flower and fruit production pruning directs the nutrients to the correct places in the plant and so remember earlier when i talked about how if it is not cut back far enough there are literally parts of the plant that have hormones in them and the hormones in the plant are stopped at a certain point but a good vine dresser comes in and he prunes that plant right at the area where the hormones and the nutrients are. Even, get this, even if there's already flowers there, even if there's fruit that's already there, he cuts it right off because what he's doing is releasing the potential that is inside of the plant. And when he releases that potential, all of the nutrients and all of the hormones start to flow to the main areas of the plant. There comes a point if you, if you look at plants that have not been cut back or pruned in the right way, the fruit is only on the end of the plant. If you've ever looked at a vine or a plant, You'll see that the flowers or the fruit of the plant are only on the top stems or only on the end. But when the vine dresser comes in and cut that thing back to the right place, it sprouts fruit in every area and it says that it starts at the bottom. It literally, the fruit starts at the bottom. It starts at the foundation of the plant and it literally rises. So whereas if it wasn't pruned and if it wasn't cut back, your fruit would only be on the Top, but any fruit that is only on the top, and any beauty that is only on the top is not true beauty. For it to be true beauty, it has to be in and out everywhere, all through and in between. And so when God is coming and He's pruning areas of your life, He's releasing all of the vitamins and the nutrients, He's releasing everything that He's put inside of you. And listen nothing about this study says it's going to feel good to get cut because remember he's removed dead branches already so anything that he's cutting is alive listen because he wants a living sacrifice he's not going to cut just the dead areas he's already removed those areas what he's cutting is what is alive what he's cutting is what is kicking what he's cutting is what is speaking what he's cutting is the things that are interfering for many of us what he's cutting is things we've come into relationship with that we love sides of ourselves that are shameful that we brag about yeah I told him and her and I said this and that and they listen God is coming for all of that stuff because where we view it as few fruit, he views it as a hindrance. He sees it as something that needs to be cut away because he's looking at all of the potential and everything that he's invested in you and yeah, it will not feel good to be pruned. I've had seasons of my life where I thought I was going into harvest with this and with that and God will come in and say this is a fruitful area. Now let me cut this away. I know you like this fruit. I know you like this flower. I know you like the beauty of it but I can give you 10 times this if you will let me cut away and release nutrients and release the vital and essential areas if you'll let me remove the top beauty listen you will have beauty coming from the bottom and the middle and every area
1: of your life but if you're fighting me and if you're holding on and if you're resisting and if you're shrinking back and if you're trying to hold on to things that seem beautiful and that seem fruitful. If you're holding on to them, it will never be what I intended. You will always live at half potential. You will always live at what could have been. You will always live at what should have been. But if you let the professional work, what you think is beautiful will pale in comparison to true beauty.
0: everybody that has ever accomplished anything great if you read every story in the bible you can see that right before god brought them into seasons of fruitfulness that they went through moments of pruning it is inescapable. Sit down. This is pronunciations. Sit down. <laughs> Sit back and stop. Sorry, y'all. Only, only certain things mama can do. But every last single one of them, and divine, you can come, every last single one of these testimonies and these miracles And these places in our lives that we look at and we marvel and and even in the word, they all went through pruning. I think about Naaman, and I don't really have time to go there, but I want you to read the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, where he had everything. He was a man of power. He was a man of authority. He was a war hero, but he ended up with leprosy. And leprosy, in Bible times, was a death sentence. You were thrown away. There was no cure. It wasn't like just stay to yourself for 21 days, quarantine, or whatever else, and then you're coming out of this. It was a slow disease that ate away at your flesh. And... The only person that knew that Naaman had this disease was his handmaiden and his very close servants that would come in and bathe him and and cleanse him and would come in and change his dressings and change his armor for him. And his maidservant, who was Jewish, ended up telling him about Elisha and saying, listen, I know a man that can heal you. He said, I know a man that can heal you. And so, Naaman, can you imagine having all of these accolades, all of this money, being a person of power and a person of esteem, but you're secretly Dying, secretly sick, secretly wasting away. I need y'all to understand the type of people say shame makes you hide. I've seen more people hide because of pride than I have shame. Because it takes a prideful person to know that they have a contagious disease. Listen, leprosy was contagious. It wasn't like, you got it, we're going to pray for you. We're going to give you a little uh, alcohol and maybe a little peroxide and that's the end of it. No, it was a contagious disease that if you got around it, you could get sick too. And they put lepers in a colony where all of them were by themselves and they all could waste away, but not Naaman because Naaman was the man. And Naaman was the war hero, and he was the one everyone respected and revered, and he knew he was not going to be healed from this disease. But it takes a prideful person to say, I'm not going to quarantine with everyone else. I don't mind having people come around me, and they possibly get sick, and they're in here changing my dressings, and they're in here changing my armor for me. I don't care because I'm Naaman, and if I die, I'm going to die here with all of my victories and all of my acclaim and everything that I am this is the way I'm going out you see I didn't view it as prideful until he went to Elisha for his healing And he didn't just go by himself. The Bible says that this joker went in there marching with all his horses, his chariots, his army. That's like me going to the doctor. And I got all of y'all in y'all cars following me to the doctor. Just a motorcade of people coming with me to the doctor. And this is what he did. He showed up in all of his glory. And Elisha wouldn't even come outside and see him. He didn't even go outside and see him he actually sent word and said tell him to go and dip in the Jordan River seven times now most of us would be like man I'm on my way I've been suffering I'm in pain I'm hurting but what does Naaman say Naaman said the Jordan I mean aren't there like Three other rivers that I've passed? Aren't there other great rivers where I live? You mean you're going to tell me to go to Belle You're going to tell me to go to Belle Isle? When I could have just went, I mean, I done passed every suburb. I could have went to St. Clair Shores or Gross Point. You telling me to go to Belle Isle to dip in the water seven times. Naaman started yakking his lips. And Elisha said, either he wants this healing or not. I'm not changing my mind about what it's going to take. Either you want it or not. Either you're going to keep suffering quietly or not. And so the Bible says that Naaman went to the Jordan River. And as he began to dip in the water, one time, two times, the Bible says as he began to dip, the flesh on his body began to heal began to come back together. Every time he dipped himself in this dirty, nasty water because the Jordan was one of the dirtiest rivers. It was one of the nastiest rivers. It was one of the rivers where all of the garbage from the city collected. Listen, it was foul and stinky. It wasn't a good place, but you know what God was doing every time he dipped? He was pruning. He was cutting away because sometimes what God is cutting away at is the thing that's actually Reducing the sickness that we're asking for healing for the thing that we're holding on to and saying this is what I need is the thing that's making you sick and God was more interested in not just healing him but bringing him to a place to where there was no pride surrounding him as he was healed because anything that you harvest and anything that you take in God is going to cut away something that keeps it from reflecting his Nature that keeps it from reflecting your discipleship. In verse 8, in John 15, it says, My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As we get ready to go, I want to hone in on verse 7, though. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Listen, without the pruning, there is no abiding there is no sense of his word and who he is his nature living in you that becomes the thing that is the precursor for what we're asking for his words and his life become the thing that that literally filters what we're asking for and tonight as we get ready to harvest some of us are right like literally watching the field. We, I mean, we see the beauty of what is possible. And God is saying, I'm getting ready to prune. I'm getting ready to prune. And you may not like it and it may not feel great. But I promise you, what you thought is not what it's going to be. It's gonna be way more than what you're looking at if you let me do this thing. This is a joyful time. Pruning is joyful. I mean, pruning is like the night before Christmas. Pruning is like you driving to your birthday party. Pruning is like you showing up at work the first day of your promotion. Pruning is that moment to get excited. I know it may not be in your hands yet, but how you rejoice in seasons of pruning determines how you harvest when the time comes. Listen, this isn't a time to be sad and upset and asking God, well, what you're Take away. No, it is a party. It is a time for you to say, take away everything that
1: is keeping this fruit from being what it's meant to be. I'm ready for it. This is the moment right before the great thing that I've been waiting for.
0: Pruning is a thing to rejoice over. Do I have anybody willing to
1: rejoice? Do I have anybody that's willing to trust? Oh, because it's going to require trust. It's not going to just require trust. It's going to require vision. Because you're going to sit and wonder sometimes, why you taking this and why you taking that? And why you cutting this back? And why you cutting that back? But when you have vision, you look at that thing and it causes you to run and not get weary. It causes you to not faint. You start to understand why he's cutting this away and why he's cutting that away and why he's taking this and why he's taking that because it don't fit with the vision. It don't fit with the plan. It don't fit with the purpose. It don't fit with the calling. It don't fit with the season. Listen, if you get that vision before you and you trust the hand of the professional and you trust the hand of the vine dresser, you start to see that pruning is a beautiful thing because without it, there is no harvest.